Welcome to the latest episode of British History, Royals, Rebels, and Romantics, the podcast for people who understand that history shows us what's possible for us in our lives today. I'm Carol Ann Lloyd, your host and tour guide as we travel back in time. We're shaking up history to look at the stories that don't always make the history books, to consider famous and infamous characters in new and interesting ways, and to look for all the things that we share even when we're living in different times and places. I hope you enjoy this journey through the royals, rebels, and romantics of Britain. Now, let's explore history together. In 2020, for the first time in many years, the Queen and Prince Philip will spend the Christmas season at Windsor Castle, It seems like a good time to review the history of the Windsor family and castle Christmas. Windsor becomes Christmas central. In 1800, Queen Charlotte, wife of George III, erected the first known Christmas tree at Windsor Castle. She hosted a party for the children of Windsor families. According to Dr. John Watkins, who wrote a biography of Queen Charlotte, the large yew tree stood in a tub in the middle of the drawing room at Queen's Lodge. The branches were decorated with, quote, Bunches of sweetmeats, almonds, and raisins in papers, fruits and toys most tastefully arranged, and the whole illuminated by small wax candles. The children and families admired the tree, and then the children received a bit of sweets and a toy. Prince Albert popularized the Christmas tree, as he and Queen Victoria shared their family tradition of gathering around the tree at Windsor Castle with popular publications of the day. The tradition caught on with families around the country. With the support and possibly encouragement of the royal family, Illustrated London News, Castles Magazine, and The Graphic shared images of the royal Christmas at Windsor with details about the royal trees. Not all royals were at Windsor every year. In 1875, the Prince of Wales, who later became Edward VII, celebrated Christmas in India aboard the Royal Lot Serapis. Prince Edward had left England in October and would not return home until the next May. That meant Christmas would be celebrated away from his family's Windsor festivities. The future king wanted a traditional Christmas feast, which created a scramble among the royal staff. But tradition prevailed. Copies of the menu have been preserved, so we know the Christmas lunch included mutton cutlets, pastries filled with grouse meat, roast turkey, roast beef, chicken breast cut into Christmas shapes, mounds of aspic jelly filled with lobster, sausage rolls, cakes, plum pudding, and mince pies. Certainly a feast fit for a future king. After Queen Victoria in the early 20th century, the royals began celebrating Christmas at Sandringham House. The Shift to Sandringham Sandringham House, located in Norfolk, has been among the private residences of the royal family since 1862. Unlike the royal palaces that belong to the crown, Sandringham House is personally owned by members of the royal family. It was first a country residence for Edward VII while he was Prince of Wales. The prince loved the country and wanted a country house. He moved into the original house soon after his marriage to Princess Alexandra in 1863. As his family grew, he wanted a larger place. 
The current building is a Jacobean-style home with brick walls and gabled roofs. It was completed in 1870. The home was expanded in 1881 with a ballroom and in 1887 with a conservatory. After he became king, Edward was not able to spend as much time at Sandringham as he had previously. So he decided to start holding family Christmas celebrations there in 1864. It was a place he could relax, play with his children, and spend time with close friends, setting aside the formality of his title and life in London. A huge Christmas tree was placed in the ballroom. There were gifts for everyone in the household, from the royal children and grandchildren to the governess and other household staff. King Edward and Queen Alexander distributed food to laborers, workmen, and others who lived on the estate on Christmas Eve. Then on Christmas Day, the royal family gathered for breakfast and gifts. The family walked to church at St. Mary Magdalene, which Queen Alexandra had helped decorate. At the king's wish, the sermon was kept to 20 minutes or less. The family then returned to Sandringham, where the children stayed for luncheon, and the adults walked, rode, and enjoyed the outdoors. Later that evening, the king and queen summoned courtiers, tenants, and other staff to the ballroom, where everyone received gifts. At 8.45 Sandringham time, the king had actually set the clock back 30 minutes to extend the light for hunting, so Sandringham was not on the same time as the whole rest of the country. So at 8.45 Sandringham time, guests and members of the household began the procession into the grand dining room for a special Christmas dinner. Afterward, there was a dance or performance of the most popular theatrical show of the time, or possibly games or music. As you can imagine, the royal party lasted well into the early morning hours. When Edward VII died, Sandringham was inherited by his son, who became King George V. He loved it there and described Sandringham as, quote, the place I love better than anywhere else in the world. George V continued the royal tradition of Christmas at Sandringham. The Royal Christmas Broadcast One of the most memorable events of the reign of George V was the first Christmas broadcast. In 1932, King George V delivered the first royal broadcast live from Sandringham House. The king at Christmas celebrated the technology of the, quote, wireless, which allowed him to speak to people throughout his empire. The idea for a king's broadcast originated with BBC director Sir John Reith. Rudyard Kipling wrote the speech, which was very popular. The message from the monarch became an important part of Christmas. George V delivered Christmas messages for the remainder of his reign. The messages often focused on the British Empire and his gratitude for being able to address his people throughout the world. In his final speech in 1935, the king marked the 25th year of his reign. He mentioned personal family events in the speech, including the marriage of his son and the death of his sister. He expressed sympathy to those affected by personal distresses and called for hope and cheer through the empire. In 1936, there was no Christmas message. After George V died in January of that year, the throne passed to his son, Edward, who became Edward VIII. But just two weeks before Christmas, Edward VIII abdicated the throne. As the speech wasn't yet an established tradition, it was skipped that year. George VI, who succeeded his brother, gave his first Christmas broadcast in 1937. He recalled his father's broadcasts and suggested he could not replace them. He promised to be worthy of his subjects' support. 
Finally, aware of trouble abroad, he expressed a wish that peace and goodwill would prevail. He did not give a Christmas broadcast the next year. In 1939, George VI spoke on the first Christmas of World War II. He sadly reflected on the loss of peace during the Christmas season and praised the Royal Navy, British Expeditionary Forces, and armies of the Empire. The King concluded by encouraging people to turn to God in times of darkness. The broadcast continued each year of the war, with the King praising the British and Empire forces and sending his and the Queen's greetings to support those the world over. As the war ended and new challenges arose, George VI spoke of of the unity and steadfastness of the Commonwealth and the Empire. In 1948, he delivered his first message from Buckingham Palace, as his health didn't allow him to travel to Sandringham. In 1950, as wars around the world and the threat of nuclear weapons increased, he said that for the world to survive, quote, it must learn to love and not to hate and to create and not destroy. The next year, 1951, his speech was pre-recorded as he had lung surgery scheduled. This was his final Christmas broadcast as he died the next February. Her Majesty the Queen gave her first Christmas message from the same desk and chair that her father and grandfather had used. She pledged to carry on the tradition of Christmas broadcasts and thanked people for their loyalty and affection. The tradition of the broadcast underwent almost immediate change as the Queen delivered the next year's broadcast from New Zealand. In 1956, the Duke of Edinburgh spoke from the Britannia during a voyage around the Commonwealth just before the Queen made her speech. The first televised speech was delivered on the 25th anniversary of the monarch's first address in 1957. In the 1960s, the Queen frequently spoke from Buckingham Palace, and in 1975, the speech was recorded outdoors for the first time. In 1982, the Queen delivered her address from Windsor Castle. This was the 50th anniversary of the Christmas broadcast. In 1989, she read part of her speech at the Royal Albert Hall. In 1995, marking the 50th anniversary of VE and VJ days, the Queen paid tribute to all who had served, and especially those who had not returned. In 2001, the Queen remarked on her 20th Christmas message and included footage of the American National Anthem being played during the changing of the guard at Buckingham Palace as a show of support to the United States following the September 11th attacks. Including additional footage was becoming more common in the broadcasts. In recent years, the Queen has continued to combine a reverence for the past with hope for the future. Her 2012 broadcast commemorated her Diamond Jubilee, marking her 60th year as Queen, as well as the 80th anniversary of the Christmas message. And it was the first time it was broadcast in HD. In 2017, the Queen paid tribute to the victims of the London and Manchester terrorist attacks and the Grenville Tower fire. She also mentioned her 70th wedding anniversary and talked about what she was looking forward to in the coming year, the third baby for the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge and the wedding of Prince Harry to Meghan Markle. The Queen at Windsor Although recent royal Christmases have been spent at Sandringham, the Queen is no stranger to Christmas at Windsor Castle. Earlier in the Queen's reign, the royal family spent many Christmases at Windsor. In fact, during World War II, the royal family was often at Christmas at Windsor. There are many stories of the pantomimes the family staged, featuring young Princess Elizabeth and Princess Margaret. Alethea Fitzlan Howard, who went to live with her grandfather in Great Windsor Park during World War II, 
recorded her memories of time with Princess Elizabeth and Princess Margaret in her diaries, now published as The Windsor Diaries. According to Howard, she found the pantomime Sleeping Beauty charming, but wondered how Princess Elizabeth could, quote, bear to act in a rowdy variety show. Another year, the princesses put on a pantomime based on Aladdin. Some say that it was after that performance that Queen Mary, Princess Elizabeth's grandmother, noticed sparks flying between her young granddaughter and a young naval officer. It was Philip, and Queen Mary was right. When the Queen's children were young, the royals continued to celebrate Christmas at Windsor. This went on as her children grew and married and brought children of their own. The last royal family Christmas celebration at Windsor Castle was in 1987. That year was Prince William's Christmas Day debut. At five years old, he joined his mother, Princess Diana, who led the younger royal children out of the church service. They were joined by Frederick Windsor and Peter and Zara Phillips. Prince Harry was only three, so he did not join the public walk. Also in attendance that year were the Duke and Duchess of York, perhaps more well-known as Prince Andrew and Sarah Ferguson, who had been married at that time for nearly two years. The next month, the Duke and Duchess would announce they were expecting their first child. Princess Margaret, along with her children, David Lindley and Lady Sarah Armstrong Jones, were also at Windsor that year. The shift to Sandringham. The Queen moved the family Christmas to Sandringham in 1988 while Windsor Castle was being rewired. It was so successful, and everyone enjoyed the festivities very much. The Queen and Prince Philip decided to keep the Christmas celebration at Sandringham. The family enjoys the location, and royal watchers gather in Norfolk to greet the family as they walk to Christmas Day services. The Queen often travels to Sandringham on public transport, taking the train to King's Lynn. According to reports, the royal family typically decorates the tree together, with Prince Philip getting the honor of placing the star on top. Typically, the family opens most of their gifts on Christmas Eve. Following the tradition set by her father and grandfather, the queen gives members of the royal household a Christmas pudding. Some get additional gifts as well. The royal family always attends church on Christmas morning, just as royal families have for hundreds of years. Later, the family gathers to watch the Queen's annual Christmas address. The royal family's Christmas dinner features turkey, and the Queen honors her head chef with a toast when the turkey is carved. Younger children aren't included in this Christmas dinner, at least until they're old enough to behave appropriately. Traditionally, this meal is quite formal, with the family wearing their holiday best. Christmas in 2020. Because of the pandemic and concerns and restrictions, the Queen and Prince Philip, along with a bubble staff, will be at Windsor once again. This is the first Christmas for the Queen and Prince Philip without members of their family since 1949, when they were in Malta while Prince Philip served in the Royal Navy. This year, HMS Bubble the nickname given to the royals and their reduced staff, will enjoy the Christmas decorations throughout Windsor Castle. Windsor Castle is now home to a 20-foot-high Norway spruce Christmas tree. The tree came from Windsor Great Park. It's believed that Windsor Great Park has provided the Windsor Castle Christmas tree since Queen Victoria's reign. The tree is decorated with hundreds of ornaments and lights and topped with an angel. It stands proudly in St. George's Hall, where the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, Meghan Markle, had their wedding reception just two years ago. 
As is the case for many of us in 2020, the Queen's family will be scattered. Prince Charles and the Duchess of Cornwall will be at Highgrove House. The Duke and Duchess of Cambridge haven't released their plans, but it's expected they'll be at Amner Hall or visit the Middletons. The Duke and Duchess of Sussex will remain in California with Archie. The Queen's annual Christmas, Christmas message will be delivered from Windsor Castle, which is the same location as her two previous addresses of 2020. Last year in 2019, the Queen said that it is, quote, the small steps, not the giant leaps that bring about lasting change in the world. This was a reference to the 50th anniversary of the Apollo 11 mission and to our own roles in doing good in the world. It seems a fitting way to end our exploration of the Windsors and Windsor Castle at Christmas. Thank you for joining me all month for a history of holidays. Next week is the final podcast of 2020, so we'll be looking back at some historic highlights. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please share with a friend. Do send any questions or comments. I'd love to hear from you where we should explore next. And please subscribe and leave a review. I'd really appreciate it. I'm so glad we could explore history together. Till next time. Thank you.